Hi, welcome to Upgrade Your Faith. I'm Luke Gradless, and this is one of our bite-sized Bible studies. Today, we are looking at one of the biggest mistakes that Christianity makes today, and that's the fact that many of us worship at the idol of comfort. Today, we're going to start looking through the book of James and looking at the beautiful wisdom that God has for us about how we face trials in a godly manner with a godly perspective. So let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to be in James chapter 1, and here's what it says. My brother, count all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So when we look at James chapter 1, one of the biggest things that jumps out is that we need to view trials and tribulations not as just negativity. We need to view them as an opportunity to test our faith and to build more godly character in our lives. And this is a huge thing for us to think about because, to be real with you, this is a huge mistake that we make today. So many Christians, because we live in this American society, we are pursuing comfort with far too much passion. We believe that if our life is easy, we believe that if our life is comfortable, we believe that if we have all the things that we long for, we think that means good things are occurring. But the reality is, is not a lot of great people are shaped by comfort, right? Many of the times, even when we just look back at our own lives, the moments of greatest growth, the moments when we learned the deepest and most important lessons did not come when we were unbelievably comfortable. No, rather they came when we faced trials and tribulations and we had to learn and we had to grow and we had to face those things. And I think that's something that we're missing greatly today. Note number two comes in verses five and six. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And, and, and so what we see here is when we are in trials, we must, we must lean on God, not on ourselves. And, and, and there's two pieces to that, right? I think many of us are capable of leaning on God, but we typically do it when we have come to the end of our own abilities, right? We, we have used our own strength, our own wisdom, our own knowledge, our own ability. We come to the end of that rope. We find that we are still lacking. And then in exhaustion, we turn away from trusting in ourselves and then and only then go, God, I need you. I, I, I don't know what to do now. I've tried everything I know what to do. Please help me. And we need to realize that's wrong. We need to lean on God, not at the end of our rope, but at the beginning. And what that also means is as we're going through this, we're not just sitting here praying for the obstacle to disappear. We're not just praying for the trial to end. We're going, God has allowed this for a reason. God, as I'm in this, yes, I would love for it to end. But more importantly, Father, I want to learn what you're trying to teach me in this moment. 
All right, let's look at the second portion of James chapter 1. So starting in verse 9, we now kind of transition a little bit. It says this in verse 9. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. And so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow or turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And, and, and so when we look at this, I think the third note that's coming from this piece here is that we need to think about how do we view trials and tribulations. Do we view these as an opportunity to grow or do we view them as a temptation to fall into sin? And, and that's really a choice that you and I get to make. We need to be active in the way we view these things. And, and this again ties back to this mindset that we have, this framework that we operate in. If we are only pursuing comfort in our lives, if the whole focus of our lives is to be as comfortable as possible, then the problem is going to be is that anytime discomfort comes our way, we're going to assume that's bad. We're going to assume that nothing good can come from it because discomfort is failure. But as you read the book that God has given us, we really should challenge ourselves to think, is comfort what God has asked us to pursue? And the only thing I can tell you is we look at the life of Jesus Christ and as we look at the life of the disciples who loved him and followed him, comfort did not seem to be a major focus of theirs. Let's look at this last section here in chapter 1. In verse 19 it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Brothers and sisters, we gotta be people who do more than just read the book, watch YouTube videos, listen to sermons. It comes in one ear and goes out the other. We have got to be a people that hear this word and let it change who we are 
and change the way that we live and we go out and we do it. Because he is the master, we are the servants. And that means when he speaks, when he commands, we go. That is the nature of a master-servant relationship, is that when the master says to do, the servant does. But look at 27. In 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And so where does he end this chapter? He ends it with saying, look, you want to know what it looks like to do what you're told? It's to be loving. It's to be loving, right? If you look at the Bible, it's about love God, love people. That's what we get in Matthew. That's what we get in Deuteronomy. That's what we get throughout all the books is that we need to love God and we need to love people. And what that love is, is not just that I have a positive affection for you, but that I am willing to sacrifice for your well-being. And so here he points to those who are in the most need, right? Those who, who are widows and orphans, those who don't have the support systems, don't have financial protection, don't have physical protection, have many needs that they are lacking. And he's saying, you as believers, even though these aren't your family members, you go and you love them like they are. You find the weak, you find the hurt, and you pour your love upon them. That's real religion. Real religion is not just you showing up and going through the rituals to then leave and do nothing. No, real religion is you go through those rituals. You go through those traditions that God has given. It inspires you. It drives you. And then you go out and you live in a way that shows that love to people around you. And so brothers and sisters, that's James chapter one. It's our focus on how do we approach a trial? How do we live in it? How do we succeed in it? And the biggest thing we got to realize is it's a great opportunity for our character to grow. If we lean on God and do what he says, then we can have a great opportunity to come through that trial victorious.